Please sit comfortably, everyone. So good evening to everyone in the room and everyone on Zoom. Um, I hope everyone's safe from the, the flooding at the moment. Um, just before I begin the talk as well, just to let everyone know, um, we've decided um, we've got extra funds in our account and we've decided to give um, a donation to the people suffering from violence in Ukraine. We haven't decided on an amount or who we're going to give it to, but just to let you know, for all of you who contribute in some way financially through session and so on, um, that we're going to make a, a donation to support those people. What I want to talk about tonight is paradox. And um, in my Ian McGilchrist book that I've been mentioning to you a lot lately, um, he's got a chapter on paradox. And I find, found it quite amusing to read because there are a lot of a lot of paradoxes in Zen training, a lot of koans um, are so-called paradoxes. And um, centuries and centuries ago in, in Greece, like about, you know, third century Greece or BC, um, some philosophers came up with um, uh, some logical paradoxes. Um, and I'll read one to you. And um, I'm not sure whether these... Um, old guys had a sense of humour or not, or whether they really believed their paradoxes were something for everyone to take very seriously and try and resolve. Um, but, but they look so much like um, Zen koans um, that they're, they're quite funny for me to read. But I'll, I'll read one to you. And I, want, and I want to read it to you for you to read it in the spirit of a koan. And... Um, and see what your responses to it might be. But this is called um, Xenos's um, dichotomy of division. And the question which is posed is, suppose you wish to leave the room. Before reaching the door, you must get halfway there. And before that, a quarter of the way there and before that an eighth of the way there, and a sixteenth of the way there, ad infinitum. An infinite number of steps cannot be accomplished in a finite time, so no motion is possible, and you are rooted to the spot. <laughs> How would you respond to that? Does someone tell me? Or show me? Anyone like to venture? Maybe not someone who does come and study, but would you like to venture a response? See, maybe everyone's a bit shy to do so, but if we get this is a, this is a classic example of a koan. Mm -hmm. And to go back to Ian McGilchrist's discussion of right hemisphere and left hemisphere, um, the fact that we get stuck with a question like that, or, you know, a dichotomy that's expressed to us that way, is indicative of how we get stuck in this um, conceptual, abstract, rule-based kind of left hemisphere kind of take on the world, more than we actually realise, right? Because we, if we weren't entrapped in that, you'd have a way of freely responding 
to that question, which is the same as what a koan is. In some ways, um, koans are kind of... In some of them, they're kind of like tricks of words in a way, and they're, they're tricks of words to see whether you're going to get caught in that conceptual framework that the, that the koan has presented for you, or whether you're not going to get trapped, you know? And one of the things to consider about Zen practice is it seems like on the outside, it's a very um, rules-based system, if I could put it that way. Like we have very strict structures and ways of behaving and ritual and everything's done you know, with precision. So on the outside, it looks like it's a very ordered, structured, rules-based system. But on the inside, it's not actually like that. And, and in the, the spirit of koan practice and daisan around koan practice, it's, it's, it's something that's actually about breaking the rules, right? It's about spontaneity and fun and breaking the rules. Um, and if you take these words too seriously, too literally, you get, you get stuck in them, right? But the point at which you don't get caught in that conceptual framework, there's a way of responding to it. Um, I don't want to give the game away because... Um, um, but there's a, there's a simple way of responding to that question which is posed. I'll give you another one from, from Greek um, philosophy as well, which is kind of apt, seeing it's about as um, um, the morning star. You know, and the Buddha was enlightened by the morning star. But the morning star, as you... Oh, sorry, the morning star is um, Venus, but it manifests as the morning star in one hemisphere and as the evening hemisphere in the other, um, northern and southern hemisphere of the world. So it's, it, it's got different properties, you know, when it's in the evening or in the morning. So the question is, is it the same star or a different star? Is it? Yes. But then what about the two properties it has in the evening and... It's something, it's the quantum physics idea yeah. that something is and isn't <laughs> at the same time. Um, well... It shakes us up. Like yeah. <laughs> but it's koan-like. We have koans in our, in our koan curriculum <clears throat> which are kind of similar, like um, go straight on a narrow mountain road with 99 curves, for example. Um, another one would be perhaps, um, why is it that a person of great strength cannot lift up their leg? And there's many others of that variation. So koans, like I said last week, or koans which are paradoxes, they, they sort of bring to light the fact that we get stuck there, they, they bring to light how much we actually are caught in concepts and rules in the way that we live our life that we don't even realise. It's like we're unconscious of it. And to the degree that we're free of it, you know, um, we act much more freely in the world because we're connected in to our body, we're connected into the flow of the present moment
And that's, that's the life we're primarily living in. You know, not the conceptual representational world. Um, as Robert Aiken, one of my teachers said, and the words always stuck in my mind, um, is that the Zen, the Zen approach to concepts is to use concepts rather than being used by them. Right? Obviously, we need concepts, we need words and logic and reasoning and so on to get by in the world. It's a good thing to have, right? But to the degree that that is the main lens through which we see life, where we see things divided up into bits and pieces, because that's what the words and the representations show us, that's, that's indicative of how much we are stuck in that conceptual world. We're used by it rather than using it. The fundamental thing that happens with all Zen practice as you mature into it is that you, you enter the stream of life, the flow of life, the flow of experience, the flow of time. That in a simple sense, that's all that you do. Mm -hmm. um, because when you're one with the flow of time and the flow of experience, it's like you're just fully alive. There's no problem. You're just going along with it. And a lot of the, the a lot of the dissatisfaction and um, uh, disruption, conflict that we inner conflict that we have in our lives often is that we're we're not flowing with experience. We're trying to capture experience. We're trying to explain experience. We're trying to get something out of experience, or we're trying to avoid something in experience. But when you just jump into the stream of life and you're the flow of it, it's like, where's the problem? There isn't, there isn't any problem. Mm -hmm. We're so caught up in bits and pieces because of our words. I give an example of it. One of the things that we always say in Zen and what is said in mindfulness as well is, is bring your mind to the present moment. Well, the present moment's already gone. And this one's already gone. And this one's already gone. There is no present moment that is a thing. Just reflect on it. There is no, there is no present moment which is a thing. But the word makes it into a thing. There, all there is is the flow of time, you know, of the future becoming the past, the future becoming the past. And in the present moment, we can engage in this mystery that we call what we call time. It is a mystery, um, but we either we either go with the flow of that mystery, or we sit back trying to work it out. You know, and we're not actually participating in it. And and Zen is very much about fully participating in your life. It's not about stepping back and being a witness and observer to it all the time. You can do that at times, and it's good to reflect sometimes, but it's essentially about stepping in and being carried along in the stream. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. It's in that spirit, you know, that we, we enter life through Zen practice. 